This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Hello, and welcome to another World of UX podcast. This is your host, Darren Hood. Thanks, everybody, for taking the time to tune in to the podcast, to listen in. Thanks to those of you listening for the first time. And from what I understand, our audience is growing. So um, it's not about that, though. (laughs) It's really not about that. It's not about how many people are listening. It is really about people benefiting from what it is that we share. If if we have 10,000 listeners and we were serving up misinformation or tickling people's ears, doing the whole the whole thing where we're stroking egos and making people feel wonderful and coddling people and you had a big listenership, the discipline of UX would be set back. I I'm happy that something talked about another, I recorded a show with someone else recently for, for their podcast and was talking about how, I don't know how many people recognize this, but the things that we talk about on the show, no matter what it is, and the the content that we share is actually for your benefit. And we have to do it from the perspective of respect that we say what we say because we want to help. We say what we say because we want to vault people forward. And we say what we say knowing the validity of the things that we say and knowing that it, it's really about you. It, it's it's not about me. It, it's my show. I record it. I produce it. But it's really about taking people forward. And so I that's where I get my satisfaction today. This is an intrinsic thing. I don't get paid for this. I don't get make any money for this. I spent a lot of money to do it, but I don't get paid for this. This is something that we serve up. So I'm, I'm for, for your benefit. So I'm glad for the people who do hear the show, who do contact me and, and talk about how much they appreciate it and talk about what it's doing for them. And, and I get joy out of that because I like seeing folks being successful. That's basically it. And and call it corny if you want to, but that's that's how I feel about it. So just speaking from the heart. And speaking of that, uh, tonight we are going to take a break from the Sinister series. Once again, a, a brief break. And we're just going to have a little potpourri segment, if you will, on tonight. But this one's a little bit different because this potpourri segment is something that I'm referring to as from the heart. I I just want to talk about some things that are that are on my mind today and just sort of share that. I think it's good to do that from time to time. And, and so that's what I've purposed to do on today. Topics for today. Well, number one, and someone asked me if I was going to share this story. So there's a little bit of Q&A and a little bit of request undertone for this particular episode. But I went back to work. For those of you who didn't know, I got laid off in, in July. And a, a lot of people have been bitten by the layoff bug. And, and it hit me first time in my life, too. Never been laid off before. And I finally went back to work. Very, very grateful, very thankful for that. 
But it's not just the fact that I went back to work that, uh, I mean, people were happy to see me share the story. How about we get into the story just a little bit more? And and I want to talk about some things that I would hope that more of us would consider because there's a lot of people that are still laid off. There's a lot of people in UX circles that are looking for gigs and, and there's a lot going on. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. I'm not going to get into that tonight, but I just want to talk about certain things that I observed in my process of going through all the applications and going through some of the interviews and just some of the things that, that I observed and, and these things are not new things. I don't, I didn't see anything that I haven't seen before. If anything, I saw things that I've seen before over the course of my career that are almost like on steroids, so to speak, that there are certain things when I did a series not too long ago where I talked about how dysfunctional the UX job market is, it, it was amazing <laughs> to actually turn around and relive that. And that, that is what I was concerned about because I knew the authenticity of the things that I'd shared in, in the episode about the opportunity paradox. And we talked about the dysfunctional nature of the, the job market. I've talked about it in the Sinister series. But to see it to the degree, I it, it's heightened, especially towards seniors, especially towards those that are seniors. And so there were some things that just stood out to me that I thought it would be good to share, to give some people some food for thought and to help equip you because some of us still have to endure. Some of us, I've heard about people that have been laid off for a year, unemployed for a year, two years. There's a lot of wild stuff going on out there. I've talked to a lot of people and helping them to, to, to maybe change their perspective, shift their focus a little bit while they're going through the job search process. Because you need someone else's perspective to, to get through things like this. You need someone else to vouch for you. You need someone else, in many instances, to see an opportunity that you might have missed. Otherwise, I'm in the position I'm in today because somebody came to the UX Chit Chat Hour and heard me say something that impacted them so much that they heard about a particular opportunity and brought that opportunity back to me. It's amazing how... We, we, some of us, try to become as qualified as we can. Frankly, folks, there's a lot of folks in UX. They, they couldn't care less about being qualified. They just want a job. And, and that's putting the cart before the horse. There's, we do things, those of us in this camp, we do things to be the best version of us when we're trying to get a role. And a lot of times, no matter what you do, you don't, you still struggle. You still either can't get the interview or get the interview and don't get the job or all types of weird things happen. And I've experienced it all. At least I think I have. In this case, there might be something else out there. If there's something out there I have not experienced, I don't want to experience it because I've experienced too much when it comes to this whole job thing. And, but it's amazing how timing is such a critical factor, and none of us have any control over timing whatsoever. The whole thing about it's not what you know, but it's who you know, that is so 
valuable. It, it, it's just so such an amazing thing. I mean, we hear it, but when you live it, when it happens, when you when you run smack dab into a situation where you've done everything you can to be as qualified as you can, but it was the who you know that got you the job instead of the what you know. And and these are real things, folks. There's sometimes we just have to be in the right place at the right time, and we have no idea where that is. So always, I have to encourage you, always strive to be your best you. So no matter what happens, you have to be your best you. So you might as well be that, right? There's a lot of people who they're they're not trying to be their best, their best you or their their best them. Sounds funny saying it that way, (laughs) but they're not. They, They just want, they want somebody to, to, to just drop something in their lap and they do nothing. There's a lot of that. There's, there's a, a lack of a sense of merit that runs rampant, a little bit of sinister here, that's running rampant in the UX community. And it's not good for the individuals who do it. It's not good for the teams they land on. And it's not good for the discipline as a whole. So for me, I was in the right place at the right time. Who who would have thought that something like that would have happened to me at the UX Chit Chat Hour? But, but it was. And, and, and other people have have learned things in the UX Chit Chat Hour that's helped vault them forward. People have been, have made connections that have impacted their lives. A lot of us need to be doing more av- of that. Might not be the UX Chit Chat Hour. It might be something else. You know where the meetups are. You know what's going on. Get out there and, and network genuinely. Some people network, but they're not genuine about it. And, and when you're not genuine, it's going to come back and it's going to bite you. It is a matter of time. So be your best you and make sure that you network in a a genuine manner. But some of what I wanted to share that I think some folks might find interesting is that things I observe, you have some companies out here that actually want UX talent, real UX talent. They want it, they value it, and they're trying to hire for it. I happen to find a company that is exactly that. It, it's it's amazing because there's so many instances that I've come across in my own travels that have happened to me and in all of the the informal interviewing that I do of people to find out what's going on in their lives and what they're experiencing and what their challenges are. And just looking at a lot of the job postings out there, you see job postings everywhere. You can go to LinkedIn and search for UX jobs and easily find hundreds. Glassdoor, Indeed, Dice, and the 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 resources, the list go on and on. And you'll see all of these jobs. But the truth is, and I've said it before, a lot of companies don't want UX people, which then leads to beg the question for the aspiring UX professional, well, what do I do? If companies aren't really looking for UX people, you got to get really good at identifying the issues. You have to get really good at understanding how to ask the right questions during interviews, the interview that you do finally get. It's really amazing what's going on out there because in general, it would discourage, but we have to remain encouraged that there's all... 
that there's always somebody who really wants the real thing. There's there's always somebody who's looking to do things the right way, where people will ask questions that mean something. I mean, I, I had I've had interviews. I during this last bout when I was laid off, I I had an interview where somebody sabotaged the interview because someone I may have mentioned this recently, but but someone. Uh, the director of a company knew of me and and had respect for me and wanted their team to interview me for one of their roles. So the team went ahead and they and they they went ahead. I actually think I told this story. I didn't tell you that it was me, but yeah, it was me. And they the person wanted their team to interview me. They interviewed me, but they interviewed me to check a box. They did not intend on interviewing me with any integrity. They just wanted to be able to say that they did it because I found out later that somebody else, when they called to tell me that I didn't get the job and they decided to go with someone else, the feedback that I got, I didn't ask for feedback, by the way. I personally, I don't want interview feedback, especially in this age where people don't know how to hire um, no, I, I don't need feedback. I know what I did. I, I've done enough resumes, done enough counseling, done enough mentoring to know what I should and shouldn't have done. I, I immediately start to, to dissect what happened during the interview. I don't need input from people who don't know what they're doing. It, it's, it's destructive and it doesn't help, but somebody did offer some information unsolicited. And they told me that the person that they decided to go with did a better job of explaining how they approach research. And the first thing that came to my mind was, do you not think I know how to do research? And, 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 but that was a fleeting thought. The thought that was most critical to me was that these folks didn't ask me about my research process. They didn't ask me to explain what I did. So they interviewed the other person differently, number one. Number two, there's a lot of box checkers out there. And so some people can parrot back what they learned in a in a boot camp or some whatever else they did. And, and they can talk about how they applied one particular method and make it sound like they were the best thing since sliced bread. The one project in that interview that I talked about, I wore multiple hats. I was doing design and research, and I used five, six, seven different methods and techniques to obtain the data that was going to inform what it was that we were doing. I guarantee you that that other person didn't do that. The people who were interviewing me couldn't relate to what I was saying, but they had no really intent, no real intention on, on going with me anyway. They just wanted to be able to tell their boss that they interviewed me. So essentially, for all intents and purposes, they sabotaged the interview because, folks, when you do interviews, you're supposed to ask people the same questions. You're supposed to carry on the same way and then compare the responses to help make the decision. If you modify, and, and, and I know some people, this is going to ring a bell. Isn't that how UX research goes? Do you know that an interview is a research activity? So if you change the questions, then you corrupt the data. Essentially, and I was the one who was the the I was the individual who got harmed by that. But you know what? And and talked to somebody about that before. I dodged a missile. I dodged a bullet. However you want to put it, and don't get all politically correct on me. You know what I mean? 
because uh, the trolls come out when you say something like that. That folks have you scared to say all kind of stuff. Now I'm I'm not one of those people. That that's really silly. But at any rate, the the interview process that I was subjected to in in the situation where I got the job was done so well. The recruiter was professional. The the leadership was professional. People were ethical in their discussions. They weren't trying to hide things. They weren't trying to play games. They didn't do, I, I, I had one interview I went to where somebody gave me a psychological test and then said, oh, don't worry, there are no wrong answers. Yeah, there are. You're not, not and, and when the person said that, that person had been on the team for about a week and had been doing UX for all of about three or four weeks and should not have been in the interview, as I said recently, shouldn't have been in the interview in the first place. But that person was there and that person brings in psychology. So now you've got the equivalent of some of you have seen my social media posts and some of you are not familiar with peanuts. And there's a character on peanuts named Lucy and Lucy has a psychiatrist booth that she runs. I think she asked for a nickel. Lucy's not a psychiatrist. She's an armchair psychiatrist. Some people would say she knows absolutely nothing about what she's doing. Uh, And she's actually one of the most abusive characters in peanuts in the whole Charlie Brown uh, uh, universe, if you will. So it's funny that you have people who during interviews will take on the same persona of Lucy and then try to try to apply or present a psychological test as if they're going to get some data out of that, that they know what to do with it. It's we gave you a resume. We walked through a portfolio. We talked about how we do the work and people want to reduce their decision to something that they're not an expert at. And, and I mean, they aren't even an expert with, with regard to UX. They don't even know what they're doing with UX. And now they're going to dabble in something else. These kinds of things. And a lot of you are going through that out there. And, and we cannot, I know it's frustrating when you're trying to get a job and you don't get it. But eventually we have to come back down to earth and we have to be happy about some of the jobs we don't get. I was so happy in the moment I was frustrated when I saw what the person was doing because I knew how it was going to play out. But you have to be happy and only certain people who've experienced this, when you're looking for something and you're, and you're in desperation mode, you, you'll find what I'm saying to be uh, tasteless and, oh, no, I don't want, no, I need a job, Darren, I need a job. When you go into a job that causes you to lose sleep, when you go into a job that that will rip your heart to shreds, when you go to a job that that can threaten your life, your well-being, the way that you function at home, it, it impact, detrimentally impacts your family life, this is part of what we're supposed to be trying to do. You, you don't want to just get any old job. Number one, it's supposed to be a career. The person at the fast food joint has a job. The paper boy has a job. This is a career. This is supposed to be a path that you're supposed to follow and be able to engage in it for some time. And it's supposed to be lucrative, beneficial, and satisfactory. Very satisfying, I should say. So when you have a a, a position that threatens your well-being and your health as a human being, I mean, these are the kinds of things that some people have to wake up to. That is part of it. When people abuse you, what I'm trying to get at, if people will abuse you during the application process, abuse you during the interview process, 
What do you think they're going to do when you get hired? And, and it's critical to understand this. I've seen it way more than I care to have experienced over the course of my career. I've heard stories you wouldn't believe. And, and, and it amazes me how people will go into teenager mode when they're trying to get a job and dismiss the possibilities of what this job might introduce into one's life. We have to be smarter than this. And, and on top of that, people are getting these jobs. A lot of them, they don't care about UX. They don't care to represent the discipline properly. I've had some really interesting conversations with people recently about things. And I'm going, wow, you, you're you in UX and that's your that's how your brain works? It's like, no, you, you're not going to be here long and God help wherever you work, because it's just amazing the, the lack of critical thinking that people have, the willingness that people have to drown themselves in different types of biases. It's an amazing thing. You can't thrive if you embrace something that doesn't lend itself to excellence. You simply can't do it. No matter how much you try, no matter what anybody tells you, and no matter how you feel about what I'm saying, you can't do it. So folks, some folks need to wake up. We need to be better about all this. But at any rate, I'm thankful for how the interview process went. Oh, and by the way, guess what they didn't ask for? Guess what we didn't review? I didn't bring out a portfolio one time. It was never an issue. Never, ever, ever. And, and, and it's amazing. When I look back over the course of my career, I have had several UX jobs where the portfolio was never a point of consideration. We talked about the work. And the people who interviewed me knew enough about the work to tell how I did the work by how I talked about the work. They could actually perceive what I had to offer, what my value prop was, for the team, just based on a conversation. No whiteboarding, no exercises, and no portfolio portfolio review. Nothing like that. It was amazing. And the best jobs I've ever had in my UX career, none of them required a portfolio. The ones where environments were toxic, where environments were hostile, where there were people who didn't know anything about UX running the teams, all of those, all of those scenarios involved uh, looking at portfolios and trying to judge people. I remember one job by way of nightmare. I remember one job I interviewed for. I was so happy I didn't get that job. Some of the people on the team were phenomenal. You're going to get that. Some of the people on the team were absolute nightmares. They were just, they were just a nightmare waiting to happen. And I remember one team, nameless company, that I interviewed with. And the research team was going, I did an exercise, a design exercise, and was being evaluated by people who didn't do design for a living. I was being evaluated by the research folks. And during that particular exercise, I decided that for this exercise, I would use Adobe XD. And during the the discussion, they asked me, I told them, well, I, I just decided I'd use XD and I started to explain a few things. They said, well, tell me, why did you decide to use XD? Can you explain why you made that decision? 
I said, well, number one, because I think it would be unethical for me to interview for a job with you using my employer's laptop. Figma, which would have been my tool of choice if I had a license of it, and I didn't on my personal computer, and I wasn't dealing with free or any any of that kind of stuff. So I just used XD because I had XD because I had a, an Adobe Creative Suite license that I was paying for and it was included. So I explained all of that. They found a flaw with that. They thought that that was ridiculous. Good. If you if you think that it makes sense for me to use my employer's laptop to interview with you, uh, then I guess you think it'd be okay for people who are on your team to use your company's laptop when they interview when they interview somewhere else. I know the answer is no. It, it, it's just weird. Just a lot of weird stuff out there where there's a gross lack of integrity. And I was so glad that that didn't work out because they were just some really strange people and 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 people like making these little threats. It, 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 anyway, I, I've just seen so many. Like I said, I've seen a lot of crazy stuff. It, it, it's, it's wild. But love the way that the leadership uh, was in this particular situation. And one of the reasons why I really loved leadership is that as I was going through the interviews, and all of you who are not doing what I'm about to mention, please start doing this. When you get an agenda of who you're going to interview with, go to LinkedIn, take the names, go to LinkedIn, and learn about those people. Learn about their background. Learn about how much they know about UX based on how long they've been doing the work. If they're one of those people that's been thrust into a leadership role and they have no experience in UX, you are in trouble. If you really care about the discipline, you are in trouble. They're more likely, more than likely, going to like somebody who's like them, who doesn't know anything because they subscribe to the whole give them a chance mentality and not really thinking about getting the work done. They don't know that the whole give them a chance thing will blow up. (laughs) <laughs> on the team, it's a matter of time before they blow up. But but at any rate, I loved, when I looked up the leadership, the thing that really, really inspired me and helped me to have confidence in the direction I was headed. Because remember, we got to make decisions about jobs. And some of us just want a job and we don't qualify anything or anybody. And you're going to pay for that. Everybody in leadership that I saw all work their way up. No Peter Principal promotions. No political promotions. No bribery-oriented promotions. There's a lot of that today. Just giving people a a, a higher role that they don't that they don't qualify for to try to keep them from leaving. Things like that. That's called a bribe. So it's it's, it's basically a corporate bribe. And and if you you're in a, a position you know you don't qualify for, something's got to give. Eventually, you can either level up and try to work as hard as you can to come up to the level associated with the position that you took, or you can just keep taking the money and keep playing games and play the fake it till you make it uh, game, because that's what a lot of people today do. But I was really happy to see leadership that that earned their roles. And interestingly, not only did they earn their roles, but they had more respect for what I had to offer. That is not a coincidence. People are going to their value system. It's something that they've demonstrated over their career is going to be reflected. Whoever the person is, whatever somebody's value system is, 
is going to be reflected in the way they make decisions about their hiring. So this is something that that folks need to consider when you're trying to find a job. So keep this in mind. And then I think about the fact that I love how nightmares essentially were being countered. So the situation I talked about with the one interview that was sabotaged and then the other interview where somebody gave me a psychological test. And and, and it's weird because psychological tests are, are, are a, they're a vehicle for discrimination. Portfolios are a vehicle for discrimination. You hear things, they, they ask you certain questions or they do certain things or you go to one company and they, we have a dance party every Thursday at three o'clock. What does that have to do with the work? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So people are, there are vehicles of, or I should say, let me rephrase what I was about to say. There are ageism enablers that come out for those of you listening today that are older. If you're over 40, over 45, you are on, you are either already a target or you're about to become one. The funny thing is that the younger people who play the ageism games, it's amazing how young people never see down the road. They never do. When you're five, when you're 10, nobody sees down the road. But by the time you turn 25 or 30, you should at least be considering what's happening down the road because it's not, it's going to be here before you know it. And it's amazing how, how people will engage in ageism related behavior as if they're never going to be subjected to it. <laughs> it is a matter of time. Folks need to be more considerate. You're in a discipline that revolves around empathy and then turn around and become vindictive. You know, we're back on the sinister track now by, by saying that. These types of things, we need to be aware of them. Everybody needs to make themselves a committee of one to make sure you're not practicing these things. The more people we can get to interview people the right way, represent your company the right way. Remember that when you do interview somebody, it is an extension of your company's brand. And so I thought the world of this company, which is why I went there, more so because of how they represented it more than anything else. So we need to understand how things work from this perspective. We need to recognize and ascribe the value to it and be willing to live these things out. Now, you're going to be, at least look like you'll be in the minority if you subscribe to this. I'm going to do it. I don't care how many people are or are not doing it. I'm always going to carry myself with integrity. I'm always going to respect people. I don't care how old you are. I saw something on LinkedIn. It was a great, great segment. They said it doesn't matter. It was a a post that somebody had about uh, excellent people over 40, something like that. Uh, 40 awesome people over 40. But person said that talent doesn't have an age. And, and folks need to stop gauging talent based on how old somebody is or how young somebody is. We need to look at talent and every team needs older people on it. We need older people, we need younger people. We need to have representation across the board because it helps us to innovate properly, gives the diversity that innovation requires, and it helps to represent a broader base of the users in a particular arena. 
when you cut off the old people, the older people, <laughs> I should say, when you cut off the older people, you're cutting off everything that older people bring to the table. And a lot of times teams cut off older UXers because they don't want to deal with what we bring to the table. They don't want to bring with the accountability that comes along with being connected to us. Some people just don't want to feel like somebody knows more than them. There's so much of that going on. It's ridiculous. Another sinister trait there today. I know this is potpourri, but a little sinister traits thrown in here and there. We need to stop being afraid of older people. Some people have been so disrespectful of older people all their lives that they they still do it, and, and then people pay the price. UX is a great discipline, but it's not going to be represented as great as long as these types of things still have a place in the way that we operate. And so I, I encourage us to make sure that we that we operate as such. And I'm just going to cover one more thing with this. I can talk about some of the other things I had listed here another time. But in closing today, I want to talk about a weird social media. I call it a social media post. Uh, because it was on Medium, which in a sense is a type of social media, because it's really a blog that nobody checks you on. You can you can write an article, just say boo, and publish it, and and it's out there. So it's 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 basically a, a form of social media in the form you have micro blogging, which happens on Twitter, and you have macro blogging, which is on which is on Medium, and so it's still it's it's basically still social media. But I saw I, I really hate. Um, some of the notifications I get, because I get notifications from Medium when new articles come out. And I get this notification where somebody was talking about what we need to be looking out for as a UXer. And there was something about the way they were saying it. I'm like, man, not again. More fear-mongering. Oh, this, this stuff is so crazy. But I looked at the post because I was just curious. So I looked it up. And the person who wrote the post said that they've been in UX for 10 years. And then... They say, yeah, I've been here since the beginning. And I'm going, what? <laughs> the beginning, UX, you mean to tell me UX started 10 years ago? That is one of the most ridiculous, one of the most asinine, and one of the most misleading statements I've ever heard anybody make. UX has been around in the mainstream since the late 90s. It was taking off just prior to that. It was not called UX. And I've actually had trolls come to me. Why do you say you've been in UX for 30 years? It wasn't called UX. If you hear it in my presentations, you'll know that I said it wasn't called UX. But those things are still part of UX today. Hence, I call it UX. Um, it only take a person who just wants to complain because, hey, they've been complaining since they was three or two or three. So, you know, what else is new? Um the person said they've been in UX for 10 years and UX has been around. It started to formulate, become more of what we know it to be. That all started somewhere between 95 to 99, 1999. So it's amazing that somebody would have the gall to make a statement that was so, so grossly inaccurate and then try to influence people with all the other stuff that they said in their post. This kind of thing, these kind of people should be laughed at. They deserve to be laughed at, at immediately. They And, and you got people taking this stuff for granted. I, I told some people recently, 
And I frequently do. If you're, if people are connected to me and they're saying UXUI, I address them. You need to stop saying that. There's no such thing as UXUI, as we talked about in the episode last week. You need to drop this. You need to understand you will not make progress, true progress in UX until you can properly define it and until you understand what the fundamentals are and make sure that you get grounded in said fundamentals. And, and so one person, when I said that recently, and everybody in this particular discussion, everybody was great. Everybody was willing to ask questions. Everybody was willing to go back and take a longer look at what I was saying instead of just trying to kill me on the spot. And, and one person said, wow, I've never heard that before. And I'm going, how could you have never heard this before? I, I was thinking it and I wasn't being critical. I, I just found it amazing that a person had never heard that there's no such thing as UXUI. And when I explained it, they were like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Everybody was so happy. And, and one of the things that I explain to people like that all the time is, and I said this last week, is that people embrace these things because there's people out there making ridiculous, asinine statements and presenting them as if they're fact. And new UXers don't know what they don't know when they're starting out. And so they become victims. I don't, I do what I do because I don't like seeing people victimized. So it, it, it's amazing. You know, this, I've been in UX for 10 years. I've been here since the beginning. You, no, no, no. The person hasn't been here since the beginning. They've been here since the age of misinformation took root. That's how long they've been here. And they're adding to it. You are what you do. And when people say that they've been doing UX for 10 years, misleading people like that, they are what I always call a poser. That person's a poser. They were probably a retrofit. They're probably an upstart. The upstarts are the people who get, those are the ones who get promoted before they deserve it. <laughs> those are your upstarts, by the way. The posers are the people who act like they're something that they're not. I, I had a conversation with another person the other day, and they said, you know, these people who claim that they've been in UX for 30 years, as if I wasn't. I'm like, does he even know? So, okay. <laughs> they said, we need to be able to, do something so we can confirm whether what they're saying is accurate. And as I usually do, I went and looked up that person's LinkedIn profile. And that particular person had been doing UX all of two or three years. How is it that people who just got started want to deputize themselves on behalf of the discipline? These are the people who this person is on the same line of the person that said that they've been in UX for 10 years and been here since the beginning. We need to write all of this. If the discipline is going to be better off, if the discipline is going to regain itself, be restored, we have to start holding people accountable for these silly statements, these ridiculous claims, and 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 really redrive the fundamentals, re reestablish the fundamentals which have been been just cast aside. In a lot of places, people, they have this half Figma will travel mindset. They think they're doing UX because they're using Figma. If you don't know how to do all the work that's supposed to precede Figma, you're not a UXer yet. I don't care what job title you have. I don't care who you know. I don't care what supposed certificate you have. UX is not about Figma. Person said, oh, UX has been changing a lot for the last 30 years. And were you there to see this? 
No, the person who said that had only been in UX for a couple years, if that. So they don't know. So they're repeating what they heard, another outlandish, asinine, ridiculous statement that somebody else made. And everybody's scared to tell these people that they're making asinine, ridiculous, and inaccurate statements. I'm not one of those people. I'm going to tell you, you're out of line. We need to get this together, and we need to help ensure a better future for this discipline instead of letting people who don't care about it and only care about a check and only care about getting ahead at other people's expense, they're taking taking advantage of folks. Uh, we need to start calling this stuff out. We need to keep educating people about what real UX really is. Somebody told me just today, somebody said, there's so much going, great conversation we had. Person said, there's so much going on, on out here and it's so confusing. I said, I put a lot of content out there that will help eliminate your, the confusion for you. There's a lot of people that are confused. Yes, what the person said is absolutely true, but I'm not confused. And I know a lot of other people that are not confused. So someone has to ask, how is it that we're not confused, but there's a contingent that is, this should tell somebody it's possible to operate in UX without being confused. And then I'm just going to ask, okay, who wants to overcome the confusion? Who wants to put the confusion about UX in your life to bed? Who wants to start getting some stability, some solid ground to operate on? The information to help people achieve that is here. So as we wrap up today, I'm glad to be back to work, celebrating. Thank you, all of you that sent me notes, congratulating me on the new gig. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm going to do what I can to help other people. Keep doing what I've been doing to help other people. I'm thankful for a company like this. I'm thankful for somebody who actually knew how to do an interview. I'm thankful for real leadership. I'm thankful that the nightmare is is over uh, and, and hope to never have to go there again. We need to start responding appropriately to these social media posts instead of helping them to go viral. Um, and, and somebody say, well, how can we hold them accountable? How about you just like go the other direction? You don't necessarily have to say anything. I'm not, I'm not trying to deputize people and send people out to go around and set everybody straight. That, that, that's a waste of energy, but you don't need to partake of it. Be better at recognizing garbage. <laughs> Frankly, <laughs> Be better at recognizing garbage. And, and you don't want to eat garbage in real life. Then why do we eat garbage when it comes to UX? So let's put an end to all those things. And as I keep saying lately, and I'm going to keep saying this, let's take the discipline back, folks. Let's take it back. So just a little from the heart stuff, from the hip, some other things that I was going to talk about, but they actually, the more I look at them, uh, we can actually cover this stuff in, in Sinister. Uh, the Sinister series because it's very applicable there. So, folks, that is all the time we have for tonight. We're going to end that here. So thanks again for taking the time to listen to the world of UX. Tell your friends who want to be stable in the discipline. Tell your friends who want to overcome the confusion. Tell tell your friends who are trying to, to get out of the UX UI conundrum. And, and let's, let's take the discipline back and let's go forward. All right. Until next week. Time to sign off. This is Darren Hood, the host of The World of UX, wishing you all the best. And until next time, happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. 
Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.